Hello, and welcome to Pause Pop, positively pop culture, where we talk about the things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm Carrie Gessner. And I'm KW Taylor. This week, we're talking about the current season of Doctor Who, the Netflix series Archive 81, and the Marvel movie Eternals. Woohoo! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I'm excited. I, yeah. So y- you've been watching the current season of Doctor Who. I've only watched like the first two episodes of that. I have not. I've gotten a little stalled out on it. Okay. But I'm excited to hear how the rest of it is and how you are enjoying it, because I know you've been really digging it. Yes, I've watched all of the 13th Doctor in the past two weeks. Wow. When you say you watched the first two episodes, you meant of season 13 or? Uh, uh, well, of. Of the 13th Doctor. Of the current season. Yeah, not not just her. I watched all of her okay. first season. So I watched the New Year's Day special and then the next one and that's it. You watched the, the Flux episodes? Yes, I, the, okay. I am. I am watching the Flux episodes. <laughs> Explain all of this it's because so we're confusing. It airs very intermittently. It's like, and I watch it in weird times and platforms, and so I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Explain. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, if anyone has never heard of Doctor Who, it is a British TV show that started in like the 60s or something, and the premise is that there is a, a character called the Doctor. They don't have like an actual name. They, everyone just calls him the Doctor, and he flies around in an old police box, which is TARDIS, which stands for Time and Relative Dimension in Space. So it's a space and time travel ship, and he always takes a companion or two or three along on his adventures, and he has a bunch of adventures. And since it's lasted so long, they have this very cool conceit where the Doctor will regenerate after a period of time so it's he's played by a new actor every few seasons so it was off the air for a bit and it came back in 2006 2005 somewhere around there 2005 okay thank you it also it also started in 1963 but anyway thank you (laughs) you're the fact person and i'm just like (laughs) vibes which is fine yes (laughs) You're also the teacher, so that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It started in 2005 with Christopher Eccleston playing the ninth Doctor. Since then, David Tennant was the 10th Doctor. Matt Smith was the 11th. Peter Capaldi was the 12th. And then now we have Jodie Whittaker as the 13th. She's the first female Doctor. And she will be regenerating at the end of the year. So we'll get a 14th sometime soon. So she's had two seasons so far, and then her third is season 13, and it's called Flux, and it's pitched as like a six-parter miniseries, kind of. Yes. And they've had multiple multiple episode arcs before, but this is the first time that I think that a whole season is the, the same story, and I think it's very, very ambitious. Before before you continue, I do want to clarify. It's the first time in the modern series that they've done something like this. They did do this in the old series, but thank you. Yes, but I, I think that before they've done like like there's been an arc called the Bad Wolf, but it wasn't as linked as this is. This is very okay, like self-contained. So mm-hmm. yeah, to call this the first modern true miniseries of the larger series is absolutely accurate. So okay, yeah. thank you. Thanks for the fact check. 
<laughs> I'm sitting here with my little glasses going, actually. <laughs> it's helpful. It's helpful. <laughs> okay. So the series starts out with the doctor, Jodie Whittaker, on kind of on a hunt for she's found out some things about her past that she does not remember. So she's on the hunt for more information. Specifically, she is after this, like this alien named Carvinista. And he's basically a big dog man. (laughs) (laughs) And he's kind of great. But she has a companion named Yaz, who I love. I adore her. I do miss her old companions, Graham and Ryan. They were great. And I thought they had a lovely, a lovely arc and a lovely send off. But for now, it's, it's, it's Yaz. And then as they hunt for Carvinista, this thing starts happening in the earth, at, at earth, on earth. And anyway, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> this is so confusing. I'm so sorry. It's, it's a bunch okay. of like alien stuff. <laughs> It's going on. <laughs> so Carvinista actually comes to Earth because his alien race, there's one for every human on Earth. And he's assigned to protect this guy named Dan Lewis, who's played by John Bishop. And he's a new addition this season, but he's pretty great. He kind of just wants to be a, a museum tour guide. <laughs> And go on his date, and then the universe starts to end, and he gets swept up in this this adventure with the Doctor and Yaz. I'm trying to think. I watched it so fast, and then I rewatched season eleven. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to think of the best way to link the stories, but they. Oh boy. Okay. They kind of just get t- caught up in this time war with these aliens named Swarm and Azure, and they look like skulls, but one is purple (laughs) and one is blue. (laughs) (laughs) Doctor Who is very silly, but it's also, like, really touching and emotional at times. Yes. And it can get scary, and it has a lot of good things to say, a lot of good lessons, I think. Yeah. But then you have, you know, bad guys named Swarm and Azure who look like skeletons. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? One of the things that I like about Doctor Who is that it is comedic adventure that if you don't like, you can get into it on the level of these aliens are from the planet blah blah and this is a robot who's, but like you can also kind of just like zone out for that and just enjoy the (laughs) interpersonal relationships and the humor and that there is, because the alien baddies are like MacGuffins, mm-hmm. you know, they're, and, and their purpose is a MacGuffin to just get to the part where the doctor saves everyone in a way that is nonviolent and uses diplomacy and everyone mm-hmm. is friends. Everyone is friends, yeah. Most of the yeah. time it's nonviolent. Yes, most of the, not always, but usually she's not like using a gun or whatever. She says in a very early episode she doesn't like guns. Yeah. Yeah, so... There's basically a big flux, it's called a flux, that's going to, like, wipe out Earth. So she and her companions are sent on this adventure to stop it, and the Doctor learns about herself along the way, about her past, and she goes through a lot of, like, intrapersonal issues, like, juggling her desire to know more about her past with her desire to be in the present and save the people that she loves. Mm -hmm. 
And along the way, they meet some historical figures, which is very cool. And one of the things I enjoyed about this series is that she actually gets separated from Yaz and Dan for a while. And I think it allows them to explore themselves a little bit and explore their own strengths. But at the same time, you do kind of miss that interaction between the Doctor and Yaz. And the Doctor hasn't really met Dan yet. (laughs) (laughs) At one point, they're just running and Yaz is like, Dan, this is the Doctor. And then they get separated. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So it's more missing that interaction between Yaz and the Doctor. Oh, oh, this series brings back a lot of like more classic Doctor Who characters and villains. One is the Weeping Angels. Ooh. Yeah. So if you're listening out there, the Weeping Angels are terrifying, like absolutely terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to make a Weeping Angel out of a Barbie once and I didn't get very far, partly because it was difficult, but also because I was like, I don't know if I really want this in my house when I'm done with it. Yeah, um, we're going to have to talk about that more off air. (laughs) (laughs) But the Weeping Angels are stone statues of angels that you could see in a cemetery, but they have to be observed to be not dangerous. Uh So if you see one, you have to keep your eyes on it and you can't blink and you can't turn around because all of a sudden they will be closer to you every time you blink. And then if they touch you, they will take you to a just like a random time period, I think. Yeah. And this is so terrifying. <laughs> the whole fourth episode has weeping angels. And I was just like, I have never been more scared in my life. And I just watched Yellow Jackets. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the first episode of the weeping angels was called Don't Blink. And that was like the first major screen appearance of Carrie Mulligan mm-hmm. and it like made her a star and she was only <laughs> in that one episode and then became this like amazing famous actress and like nice because that episode is so like that's a David Tennant episode and mm-hmm. it's so yeah it's just very well done and they're they're such a strange villain they don't speak they don't like move that you can see and they look so benign, but it's yeah. because of that, it's so upsetting. So anyway. Exactly. I think it's very good at, at taking something innocuous and making it scary. Yeah. But yeah, so Weeping Angels show up <laughs> <laughs> and some old some old villains and some new villains. And, you know, along the way, they save the day. And yeah, I think what you said is absolutely right. The adventure is cool, but you don't have to... I obviously don't pay 100% attention to the adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I really do love the interaction, the personal interactions between the characters. And I think Yaz is is a wonderful companion. She is just, like, super into adventure and seeing the universe. And she, like, got swept up with the Doctor a few seasons ago with Graham and Ryan. And then when they all decide they want to travel with her full time, basically, she's just like, yeah, I want to see more of the universe. And I think that's really like relatable because, yeah, I would go off with an alien woman in a box to (laughs) time travel. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Why not? My life's boring. (laughs) (laughs) I especially would be interested in going 
time traveling, not mm-hmm. necessarily. I mean, I would go to other planets, but I feel like the time travel element is especially compelling both backward and forward. Yeah. And maybe especially because of where we are now, I'd be like, let's go to <laughs> even just five years ago. Like, that would be great. <laughs> can we just not be in the pandemic? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Or like, can we... <laughs> Can we jump a few years forward and just see if this is over? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if it's not, can we go back to when it started and like nip it in the bud somehow? <laughs> yeah. yeah, like oh. a 12 Monkeys Doctor Who crossover. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I have not, I wanted to go back and get back to 12 Monkeys and I have not been able to. That's Even fine. with all my willingness to consume pandemic media in the pandemic, I... <laughs> That has been a bridge too far. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally understand. <laughs> anyway, I think I love Jodie Whittaker as the doctor. I watched the 11th season and then I got kind of, I don't know, the 12th sort of fell off my radar. And then I, I recently caught back up because my friend was watching it. And yeah, I just think she does a great job. I think every doctor has a slightly different personality and hers is very chaotic. <laughs> which i love but there's also sort of an anger and a darkness that she keeps hidden Mm -hmm. so i think that storyline where she needs to find out about her past is really interesting and how it affects those around her and yeah i i really liked dan as well i did not know what to expect from him but he's funny he uh he gets kidnapped by carbonista in the first episode and then somehow he ends up using a walk as a weapon, <laughs> which is endearing in itself. But then he's like, I'm just going to walk away now. <laughs> just like, oh, oh damn. <laughs> oh. I like you. <laughs> I have to admit, I so I have seen, yeah, like I said, the first two. Mm-hmm. I was not taken with him. Maybe I need to see more. He came off to me a little bit like, oh, you are a British television presenter. You are... Uh, a comedian with very white teeth i don't know like i was happy that it wasn't like a 20 something yeah but i also was like i don't know man you're kind of cheesy you're like graham norton or something well see i don't know i don't know him as an actor or a presenter so well i don't either but he he i don't either he is all those things and he's a former footballer but he also has that sense about him so i like only know that those are true things because i was like are you like like a cheesy talk show host type and he is but he gave me that vibe even without knowing it so okay interesting but i'm willing to give him another shot i just he came off very 70s to me i don't know like in a bad way oh huh but that's part of what stalled me like i love yaz and i love the doctor but i was like oh what is this What is this person making these dumb? I mean, like, I need to, I need to get over it and finish it, and maybe he'll grow on me. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Wow. No. I feel like it's... you're mad. <laughs> it's totally fine. Oh. We all have different oh. tastes. No, he's no. I appreciate his humor, and I like. I do like when there's a new companion because it allows an entry point for new viewers mm-hmm. and reminds ongoing viewers of like the basics and yeah no that's fine i'll get i'll get that's fine well no i mean like like you know james corden james corden was a companion briefly as well and people Mm -hmm. were found him a little bit 
unctuous. And I feel like that's a similar, a similar quality here. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think you should set aside some time to watch the last four episodes. Okay. Not necessarily binge them right, right in a row, but within a couple days of each other. Okay. And just power through and, and see how you like him at the end. Okay. Yeah. I will probably like him more. That's fine. (laughs) He's very handsome. He is very yeah. handsome. I like that part. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. This is an interesting conversation. <laughs> oh, okay. So there's the there's the six Flux episodes, and then the season isn't technically over. There was a New Year's special, which was very, very good. You should watch that. And then it's sort of a romantic comedy with a time loop, Ooh. and Ashling B is in it, and... She plays a very grumpy, self-storage owner person. <laughs> and then along with Ashling B, there's a Johnny Salmon who plays Nick, and he's sort of charming, but also weird. And <laughs> and then there will be one more special episode in the spring, and then the last episode of the season is going to be in the fall, and it's going to be her regeneration episode, I think. Oh. So yeah, we've not much more time with Jody, but I'm excited to see what comes next. I really love the concept of Doctor Who because yeah, every time there's a new doctor or new companions, you can get more people into the show. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of sad when you leave an old doctor behind. Yeah. When they announced that she was going to leave, I got like every time a doctor has announced they were leaving, they have gotten very very emotional about it Mm -hmm. even if it's not been a season or a doctor that i've enjoyed as much i get very attached to them very quickly and uh, i don't know i i remember like like when christopher eccleston regenerated into david tennant i Mm -hmm. was like really worried about that and then i was immediately like it's fine he's still alive it's just a new body and it's just like i don't know I don't know. It's hard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It is. And I started after I finished what's out right now, I went back to start with nine. Oh. And yeah, it's very, there's an adjustment period because you're like, okay, this is not the doctor I know, but it's still the doctor. (laughs) Yeah. It's the same person. They're still having adventures. And there's, I think they've done a good job of, especially in the current like the the modern series, they have done a good job of having the next person have some characteristics of previous ones, but not all like there's, it's the same basic toolkit, but just emphasizing slightly different things. And mm-hmm. so I think there is a continuity of personality to a certain extent. Yes, they are all of a certain temperament. And I, I think that is helpful. But yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I'll get I'll get more on board with oh. Dan. I you know, I didn't super love Ryan and <sighs> he ended up growing on me. So yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think you just need to stop talking. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. I loved the I love Yaz. I really okay, like Yaz good. a lot. That's good. And I liked yeah. Graham. Okay. And I also love Graham. I know it's controversial, but I love Rose. Rose is one of my favorite modern companions, and I know that's a controversial choice, but I don't know. Like when I when 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 that season started, I was a late twenties blonde woman, and I don't know. I just kind of related to her. So yeah, like yeah, 
That's cool. Yeah. I don't know. We could we could talk about Doctor Who forever, and we should probably yes. do a whole Doctor Who episode. <laughs> yes, we will. We will absolutely. And you'll have to you'll have to update me when you finish Flux. Yes, absolutely. But you've been watching a show that you say is very very good and want me to watch. So I do. I know I did. I just finished it all last night. This is very different from Doctor Who. So we're gonna we're gonna have an awkward segue moment. We need to have a music sting for awkward segue. <laughs> awkward segue. I'll try to find one. <laughs> so Archive eighty one is on Netflix and it's eight episodes. And I don't know if it's going to have a season two, but it does lend itself to having a season two. Okay. And I would describe it as a genre mashup of mystery and horror and fantasy a little bit. Okay. But it starts out mostly mystery. And this was developed by Rebecca Sunshine, and it's based on um, a podcast, which I have not listened to but I'm definitely going to go back and listen to the podcast. Okay. But basically it starts out, the premise is that this guy, Dan Turner, played by Mamudu Athi, he work. he's a, like, he's really interested in old media, videotapes, old films. And he works at um, the Museum of the Moving Image in New York City as an archivist and restorer. Which sounds like such a cool job. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it's very nerdy, but like he'll take old damaged footage that's on film or videotape and restore it so that it's playable and try to digitize it and archive it. Okay. And that is just really cool. But he's very, very quiet. He's had some kind of trouble in his past that's been sad and weighing on him. He, he comes off very melancholy. Okay. And he gets contacted at work by this mysterious benefactor <laughs> named Virgil Davenport, played by Martin Donovan. And Davenport takes him to this weird, fancy office, but it's still kind of empty. There's a lot of like empty space visuals in okay. this, which are kind of interesting and eerie. Mm -hmm. Davenport has this archive of videotapes that are shot on high eight videotape, which is a format that was primarily used for camcorders for like semi-professional use, mostly in like the late 80s and early 90s. And the videotapes were in a fire. And so they're kind of delicate. They're slightly damaged, but the, the interior of the tape is still intact enough that Davenport thinks they can be digitized. So they can't be moved though. So Dan has to go to this facility in the Catskills, which is this crazy, weird, mid-century compound with lots of concrete. It's very strange looking. Mm, and okay. he has to live there for however long it takes to do this job. He will get paid $100,000. There is no internet. Uh, cell phone coverage is very spotty, but he's got food. He's got like a Fitbit type thing that if he has a medical emergency, medical people will come, but he's there all by himself. There's like a groundskeeper lady who kind of lurks around and she can get stuff for him, but she doesn't really live there. Okay. So he's by himself in this weird space that he has to live in. And his whole job is watching these tapes after he's restored them and like uploading them to an internet server. Okay. So that alone 
is upsetting, right? Like you're isolated. It's this whole. He also has a best friend, Mark, played by Matt McGorry, who is always reliable as like the comic relief voice of reason character, which is exactly what he played on How to Get Away with Murder. And Mark hosts a spooky fiction podcast. So there's <laughs> that like connection and homage to its origination. Yeah. Anyway, so Mark is like, I don't know, that sounds upsetting, but it's a lot of money. You should do it anyway. And Mark ends up being like Dan's only person that he tries to like call um, while he's there to get answers. Okay. But the the tapes have on them, he quickly learns just through watching them, that it's like a video diary of this woman named Melody Pendras, played by Dina Shahabi. And she, it's 1994. And she is a, a PhD student who's doing her dissertation on the oral history of residents of this apartment building called the Visser in New York City. And she just like takes these video diaries. She tries to get residents to talk to her. She's living at the apartments. And almost immediately, she encounters creepiness. Like people are weird. She hears weird um, singing at night through her radiator. Dan knows that the apartment building burned down. That's why the tapes okay. are damaged. So okay. he knows something is building up to something bad. And Melody is presumed dead. Okay. And I don't want to say too much about everything. It just unfolds relatively rapidly. Mm -hmm. There is a mix of... Okay, so here's like the elements if you are interested in this. There's like okay. a cosmic yeah. element. Okay. There is a ghost element. There is a Cthulhu Lovecraftian element. Um, there is a urban fantasy paranormal occult element. There is an unreliable narrator element, so it gets a kind of Henry James feel to it. Because you don't... Dan had a bad thing happen as a child that we learned okay. relatively early on. And he's seen a couple times taking some medication. We don't know what that's really for. He calls Mark a couple times and sends him on little research side trips and things that Mark learns seem strange. Hmm. Davenport visits a couple times or calls on the phone and he seems strange. <laughs> Dan is not being given all of the information, but it's so beautifully shot. My <laughs> trademark phrase. <laughs> it's very quiet. Mm. It's very eerie. It's very unsettling. And part of it's also like, man, I would love that job. But yeah. I can also see objectively how that job would almost immediately drive you crazy. It's got this shining element to it of like, mm -hmm. you think, ooh, I'm just like sequestered. I can just, you know, hunker down and get this job done. But you don't realize how much of an impact, environment, isolation, the nature of what you're working on, all of that plays into kind of mess with your head. Right. Like there's a part of it that feels cozy and then there's a part of it that feels terrifying. And I think it really speaks to pandemic isolation and, and depression. Hmm. And it also speaks to the allure of lost media. Mm -hmm. And how if you dive into an archive like this, you you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. Right. I will spoil just this one thing that actually is sort of funny is that there had been a previous archivist at the site doing a slightly different project with this archive of 
video diaries, there was also an associated archive of someone recorded like 30 years of soap operas. And this other archivist's (laughs) job was to watch them and write down the plots in like (laughs) composition notebooks. (laughs) And I found that to be hilarious and terrifying. Like, yeah, that sounds amazingly fun. And also, oh my gosh, if I had to get up one more morning and I guess it's time for General (laughs) Hospital from... 1993 i'm like oh good grief just this is terrible but if you're making enough money like isn't that also fine like i don't know anyway i would think so yeah i would think so but um there's a lot of like neat things with it's kind of like yellow jackets there's these parallel timelines we see a lot of things happening in 1994 with melody and then we see things happen present day with dan and if i don't know if you're familiar with the old movie frequency no through some kind of mediated technology thing, there's this way that a father and son can communicate over many years difference. And so there's an element like that. So, yeah. And it's, it does get into the horror genre, but I will say there's only one, maybe I I would say there's only one thing that really grossed me out and made me gasp and get freaked out. In a later episode. Yeah. It's in, I can actually, I'll tell you off. off you can tell me, yeah, yeah. Tell me later. But if you if you're able to kind of get through knowing there's one gruesome thing that happens, but that you can easily look away, it's it's mostly atmospherically scary. That's it. So okay, yeah. So better than Yellow Jackets. <laughs> Yellow Jackets is a higher quality show. No, 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 sorry. The scary content. Oh, um, it's way less gruesome than Yellow Jackets. Okay. Yes, great. That's great. That's all I needed to know. (laughs) It's tonally a very different thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah, I enjoyed it so much that I started reading a novel that someone on Reddit had recommended as being similar. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. You can tell us about that in a week or so. I will. Yes. But yeah, I enjoyed it. It's only eight episodes. I think you would probably like it. So yeah. As As a person that works in a library, I think you might enjoy the archivey part of it. Yeah, no, it does sound really interesting. I'm more inclined to try it after we talked about it. I just, we'll talk about this next week, but your last recommendation has traumatized me a little bit. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but anything is better than Yellow Jackets, I think. So Aww. it should be fine. I'll okay. give it a shot and let you know. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, something not scary at all that we both mm-hmm. watched was Eternals. Yes. And yeah, I have to say, I really, really liked this while I was watching it. And right after my enjoyment has decayed slightly, as I have thought too much about the plot and the structure of it, but I still liked it a lot. <laughs> okay, interesting. Yeah. So this is the one of the most recent Marvel films came out in November ish, and is now on Disney Plus streaming. And yeah, it's about a group of aliens called the Eternals who were put on Earth to sort of help it out and make sure we progress as a human race. And they're immortal. So then in the present day, they find out some, they find out that their mission is actually going to kill the whole planet. So they team up to try to to stop that and yeah, do you want to add anything to the plot? 
Well, they their first belief, they they land on Earth in 5000 BC, and all they know is that they are supposed to exterminate these people called the Deviants, or not people, they're creatures mm-hmm. called the Deviants, and these Deviant things look like giant dragony dog creatures, and they just kind of run around killing humans. <laughs> and so the Eternals think... Okay, we are here to take these deviants out and then kind of protect and wait for further instructions. The deviants get all taken out pretty quickly. They it's apparently they killed the last one in like the 16th century and then they're like, "Okay, we're ready to." And then they never get called up to go anywhere else, so they just kind of live quasi-human lives, but they don't age and they don't die. So that's got to be frustrating to not yeah, know what you're supposed to do and and <laughs> Yeah. And they each deal with it in different ways. But yeah, I really enjoyed this. Actually, I do think, I think I probably feel the same way that you did afterwards. I was like, that was kind of, you know, it was a little bit cluttered and there was a lot going on. I don't think maybe you needed quite as many villains (laughs) as we ended up with. Yeah. But I really liked the approach because it's basically like a a sad family drama yeah they're kind of like a family and they have different opinions on this one big thing and you can you could pretty much see where everyone's coming from i won't spoil who is bad (laughs) (laughs) or ends up you know on the wrong side of things but yeah i liked all their interactions with each other i thought it brought a very personal approach to this kind of big bombastic end of the world kind of thing. And I liked all the cast. Yeah. I think my thing ended up later feeling like there was too many of them. I know that there are supposed to be 10 Eternals Mm -hmm. in the comics. I don't know that we really needed all of them in this movie. Yeah. It's, it just ended up, yeah, there was a lot and they didn't all have kind of equal sort of screen time and purpose. So but this does give them a lot of characters to use in sort of sub teams and in the Avengers and in all kinds of I mean, so having a lot of them is good from a kind of production and the universe standpoint. This also was very long. This was like mm-hmm. almost three hours long. So if this if I'd watched this in the theater, I think I would have been a little bit more irritated than watching it at all. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I watched it in two segments. Okay. And I think that helps. A lot. Yeah. But I I thought Gemma Chan did a really great job. I think her character, Cersei, is pretty cool and is set up to be sort of a leader. And I think she can go off and do, do other Marvel films and be great in those. And I also like Fastos, who is sort of the engineer type person. I thought he was funny. And I like that moment towards the beginning where he tries to introduce a steam engine in like 5000 BC and they're all just like no. No. I really like my favorite is Kingo played by Kamal Nanjiani who ends up becoming a Bollywood actor. <laughs> yeah. And he was the kind of comedic presence kind of along with Fastos, but uh I wish that we'd had more of both of them cuz I really liked them. Yeah. Yeah, it was it's hard to balance everyone out and it was really hard to keep track of everyone's names. I was like, this one begins with a T, but I don't, I don't know <laughs> their actual name. 
But I also want to say that I liked Athena and Gilgamesh a lot. Mm. They have a really interesting relationship. And I read it as platonic, but I was talking to a friend about it and she said something that made me think it might not be. So I like that it's open to interpretation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This also was directed by Chloe Zhao, who is only the second woman to ever win an Academy Award for Best Director. So I think that's important. Yes. I think there's going to be another one. Mm -hmm. And she will direct that as well. And she has a credit for the screenplay as well. Okay. Okay. You know what? I see a lot of parallels between this and the 13th season of Doctor Who. Mm. Because I feel like they really did try to take something that we see a lot of, either superhero movies or a Doctor Who adventure season, and give it a little twist, give it a little spin. And I think, you know, some things worked and some things didn't, but I really admire the ambition there. And I think... I think in the end, it's cool to experiment, and you always have to keep pushing the genres forward. So, yeah, I like that that we got those, even if they weren't, even if they didn't work a hundred percent for me. Yeah, yeah, and there were there was a mid. I won't spoil what they are, but there is both a mid credit sequence and an end credit sequence that set up some pretty neat things, and mm-hmm. that's always nice and that made it feel more like a marvel movie to me okay yeah i don't know like it was i think it's worth seeing if you like the marvel cinematic universe Mm -hmm. knowing that it's a little bit different in tone recognizing that it is long and that it kind of is an it sets up some stuff that may pay off even better later yes yeah yeah cool all right well okay anything else you want to say I mean, Angelina Jolie looked really pretty, and she bugs me sometimes. I have a very ambivalent relationship about her, but this was a really good role for her. <laughs> she also, her character also had really cool swords and shields that were yes. like made out of energy or light or something. Yes. And I thought that was really neat. Yes. And Salma Hayek as Ajak, I thought was really good, and I would have liked to see it. Part of the thing is like some of the characters were so cool, and we because there were so many, we didn't get to see any of them like for a huge amount of time, except for Cersei. So yeah, yeah, that's my main complaint. Too many characters. That's fair. Yeah. I think it could have worked really well as like a mini series. Yeah. 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 Yep. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) we still mostly liked it. We did. We did. Yes. All right. So next week, we will be discussing the book Halfway to the Grave and the new Fox comedy Pivoting. And then we're going to be revisiting Yellow Jackets because I've watched that too now, as if you haven't picked up on that throughout the episode. (laughs) Yellow Jackets is so good it warrants two episodes. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at Carrie Gessner. And me on Twitter at KW Taylor Writer. And the show on Twitter at Pause Pop Podcast. You can email us at positivelypopculture at gmail.com. You can also find the show's website at positivelypopculture.com. And from there, you can find the link to the merch store. And please rate us and review us on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Stay healthy and safe. And join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. Pause Pop.